I think it's vitally important that we go to God's Word for what we believe. And that might seem to be an obvious statement, but unfortunately we live in a day and age where we've got to restate the obvious. And uh, the first duty of uh, responsible uh, folks is to restate the obvious now, unfortunately, because the obvious just isn't so obvious anymore. But uh, I hope tonight, as we journey through this topic, we're going to have... Uh, a good time. I'm glad so many kids are here tonight. Uh, I think they will enjoy uh, certain parts and uh, they will even be able to understand quite a bit as well as we go along. Oh good. And I'm going to even ask a further favor. The men cleared out the stands. I am going to ask, would you mind moving the trumpet? Because I'm going to go up and down a lot and there's a trumpet that's on a stand right there and I do not at all want to even risk knocking that over and i don't want to leave here owing somebody money so it's that one yeah and then this one right there because as i i get a little animated as i'm going back and forth and so i don't want to kick it or something like that i won't sit on the flute okay uh and i'll be, I'll be careful that thank you i appreciate that very much all right let's stand first samuel chapter 16 first samuel chapter number six sixteen. Beginning in verse number 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. We'll talk about that in a moment. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Verse 17, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing. This is an incredible description, by the way. That is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. I want to preach to you a message I simply call the power of music. The power of music. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, I do thank you for the gift of music. Oh, how it enriches our lives. How it brings color into our world. And Lord, it can express in ways that words alone cannot the majesty and glory of who you are. Lord, I pray tonight in the time that we have that you'd guide my words, guide my thoughts. Lord, that you would take this message this evening and make it into something that I couldn't possibly do. But through your spirit and through his power, Lord, I ask that you would speak to hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The power of music. Saul was in a bad spot. Saul Saul had turned his back on God is what had happened. And what happens when you have the light on, there's light. When you turn the light off, 
the only option is darkness. I can see some of you would wish for a little darkness. Some of you are getting the sun right in your eyeball. <laughs> and you can't move because it just changes, right? <laughs> I can see that, all right. Oh, boy. Well, when you have no light, the only option is darkness. I've not had the opportunity to do this. Maybe some of you have uh, to go to one of these caves. My wife, uh, when she was traveling with her family and deputation, she remembers when she was an 11 or 12-year-old, they turned off all the lights in the cave uh, for a few moments. And she said, I've never experienced black darkness like that ever. You know, Saul turned his back on God. And the only option when you turn your back on God is, uh, is going to be darkness. And that's what's happening here. Now, I want to point out something. It says that God, the Spirit departed from Saul. What is that talking about? Okay, in the Old Testament um, uh, system, the Holy Spirit did not indwell the believer. He would come upon the believer to empower them for a task. So, for example, you have Samson, right? Samson had the Holy Spirit of God upon him. Well, that is until he broke his Nazarite vow, and then the Spirit departed. In fact, the Bible says when he was awakened from that fateful sleep, he wist not, he knew not, he didn't even know the Holy Spirit had departed from him. Okay, Now friends, that's a prayer, that's a, um, a worry we do not have to have today in the age of grace. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us. He indwells us as believers. Friend, if you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you do not have the Holy Spirit. Friend, if you have trusted the Holy, Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, and you've accepted Him as your Savior, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. It's an all or nothing thing. Okay? You don't get part of the Spirit, or He goes and comes, and different things like that. Now, I understand sometimes we pray like, Lord, would you send the Holy Spirit in power? Okay? The Holy Spirit has already been sent, but when we pray that, maybe we should change our language, I'm not sure, but, but uh, I, don't tr- I try not to pray that way. I, I instead uh, will pray, Lord, would you fill me with your Spirit, or Lord, would you fill us with your Spirit, not would you come, as in... The idea that he hasn't come yet. Now I understand some people when they pray that, they're not really saying, oh, the Holy Spirit isn't here and we need him here. Okay? But uh, maybe we should be a little clearer sometimes, I think. But um, anyway, the, the Holy Spirit had departed from King Saul. Now how many of you have ever worked for a difficult boss? All right. If your boss is here, don't look at them. All right. <laughs> But uh, imagine, I mean, a boss has the ability to make your life miserable on many levels. But imagine you worked for King Saul, who had the authority to say, off with your head. You are very motivated for your boss to be happy. (laughs) So these guys are thinking to themselves, oh man, Saul, he is King Saul. He is so moody. He's up one moment, he's down the next. He's angry one time. And then, I mean, he's going back and forth and back and forth. What can we do? So they come up with this idea. Let's get a musician. Of course, who are they going to find? David. David was ready, wasn't he? In fact, there's a whole other message here about how he's described uh, as a cunning man, right? A valiant man. He was, he was prudent in matters. He was a man of war. And by the way, that's, that kind of reminds me of a little... Uh, uh, pet irritation that I have, and that is a current idea that musicians cannot be fully men. You know, 
you can't be a man and a musician at the same time. If you're, you know, you're, the more you're a man, the less you're a musician. The more you're a musician, the less you're a man. This type of idea. Oh, tell that to David, right? After he cuts off Goliath's head. You say, I thought he hit him with a rock. Yeah, he did that first. Then he picks up Goliath's own sword and goes up to him. Whack! And he doesn't have a head anymore, right? Tell, oh, David, you're a musician. You're a sissy. Uh-huh, right. Tell that to David after he takes out the lion, after he takes out the bear, guarding his flock. Oh, David, you're a musician. You play the harp. You must be a sissy. No, friends, I believe the Lord is looking for men of character who will also stand up and say, by God's grace, I want to be a man and a musician for the glory of God. I had the privilege to grow up in a house where my dad was that. He emulated, he modeled that in front of me. Now, I know where the thought comes from, and that is many times musicians are people of great feeling, of great deep emotion. David was that, wasn't he? We see that in the Psalms. And so in today's culture that is built on the idea of a macho man, well, real men don't cry, you know, that type of idea. Well, tell that to Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus, I don't believe, looked like this kind of sissy, weakling person that the pictures most often represent him as what was his job what was his livelihood carpentry did they have power tools well in a way i mean it was right here right here's the power tool i mean and he walked everywhere that he went i mean jesus was no wimp physically speaking and yet he could shed a tear children love to be around him Let's reject this notion in our culture that to be a real man you have to somehow be this macho image. Oh, that's not what true character is. True character is sticking by the stuff and doing what's right when it's not popular. Also, by the way, when it says David played the harp, that's not an orchestral harp. Okay? David didn't lug a you know, 150-pound thing out to the sheep. Okay. The biblical harp is much more like we would think of as an acoustic guitar. Okay? So he would strap that acoustic guitar, so to speak, to his back. He'd go out, he'd play for the sheep, right? And then he'd take out a lion, and then he'd go back to writing what would become a psalm. That's the picture we have of David. But they go get him. I want to point out to you some qualities tonight. Four statements I'd like you to think of. First of all, music has physical power. Music has physical power. Look what happens in verse 23. It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. Stop right there for a moment. This is important. It puts the emphasis, the Bible puts the emphasis on the playing of the music. Now, is it possible that David also sang? Yes, that's very possible. Maybe even probable. But the Bible is putting the emphasis on the music itself. Why is that important? Because tonight, friends, I am focusing in, and you'll sense this as we go, I am focusing in on the power of music itself. A lot of times when I've heard a message on music, uh, 80 to 90% of the message will be about the words of music and how they ought to glorify the Lord and they ought to be right. Now, isn't that obvious? That's really not what most people are arguing about. When it comes to music. I'm not really arguing about the words. Here, here's some good principles for words. Um, 
they should be doctrinally correct. There's a good principle, right? They shouldn't be vulgar. Right? I mean, right? I mean, this isn't very controversial here, right? I mean, they should, the stories in them should be uh, righteous. You know, what's funny is that knocks out a whole lot of music today, doesn't it? Just those three things I just said. But that's, that's simple. That's just straightforward. I'm not really talking about the word so much. We'll talk about that at the end, but I'm talking about the music itself. What happened? Well, first of all, I want you to see the first power that music had was physical because it says, so Saul was refreshed. What does this have to do with anything? Well, I want you to do something with me, if you would. I want you to take a deep breath in, and we're going to hold it, and then we'll let it out. Are you ready? Here we go. In. Out. If I have you do that again, some of you will probably fall asleep. <laughs> it's been a long week, right? What, that's the Hebrew word for refreshed. It means to breathe freely. In other words, Saul, the first effect that music had on Saul was physical. Now that shouldn't surprise us after all. What is music? Music, I hope you, you don't think music is um, the, the notes on the page. That's not music. <laughs> That's a, representat- a representation of music so that we can actually create music. Okay? But music is actually sound, isn't it? I uh, am a little bit of a sci-fi nerd. And uh, so from time to time I'll, I'll watch a movie or a show or something like that that has spaceships in it. Okay? I don't know if there's anyone that I can identify with that. Uh, with me here tonight, but um, when a spaceship in one of these shows takes off, it sounds something like this. Right? You know what a spaceship taking off in outer space would really sound like? Sound like this. Why? There's, right, there's no air. There's nothing for the sound to vibrate through. Why is that important? Because sound is physical. It has to travel. It's sound waves. It has to travel through something, right? I mean, uh, our eardrum, uh, it gets those sound waves bouncing against it. Really, sound hits us all over. This afternoon, I, was, uh, I had kind of an irritating day. You ever get an irritating day? Just It seems like everything just drubs you the wrong way or whatever. Well, anyway, I was trying to concentrate, and someone around here was testing out their sound system in their car. And they have every right to do that. That's fine. But they did it for almost an hour. And so, as I'm trying to concentrate, all I hear was this. All I felt was this. I call them heartbeat cars. You know, you're trying to go to sleep at night. Oh, oh, I'm dying. Oh, no, it's just my neighbor. Well, what's, what's, what's going on there? Well, those are the low frequencies, right? And uh, I had a friend whose car took third place in the Detroit Sound Off competition, which is a competition for how loud and how low frequency you can get your vehicle to go. And he said, Ben, you got to check it out. you got to check this out. It was a Camaro. And I said, okay, all right, fine. And he and I don't really listen to the same kind of music, so he was merciful to me. And he turned on some symphonic type stuff. But let me tell you, you did not just hear the music. You felt it 
Now, some people say, well, Brother Ben, you must think that's wrong. Well, just hang on a second. Okay? I don't believe it's wrong to have a body. If that were true, we're all in trouble. Okay? It's not wrong to have a body. You say, well, what's the point? Well, for example, a marching band. There's nothing like a, a collegiate marching band. I just, I just, there's nothing like it. And uh, uh, one of my musical mentors when I was at Maranatha, Dr. Budal, uh, he uh, has one of his degrees from University of Minnesota. And he and I would always talk uh, marching band stuff, even though I, I didn't do marching band on a college level of any sort. I became familiar with it through my dad and, you know, Big Ten marching bands, you know, all that type of stuff. Let me tell you, when, you go, when I would go back for alumni band day, as my dad would be in the marching band for alumni band day, and uh, you line up down the road and you've got almost a thousand marching band members coming down and they're on their way to the football stadium right i mean you start getting all like this and and i'm ready to charge into the stadium and take on the other team myself it's a physical effect you don't want them playing ballerina music before your team goes into play I believe it's the University of Iowa in their guest locker room has it all pink and plush. In fact, I, in fact, I know that I can say that. I used to say I wasn't sure, but now I've spoken to a former Wisconsin Badger football player and, uh, from the early 90s, and he said, that's absolutely true. He came up to me after this message. He said, it's absolutely true. I was an offensive lineman for the Badgers, and we would go play at, at Iowa, and they had the pinkest, girliest locker room for the visitors, you could imagine. Now, I don't know if they played ballerina music in there, but I wouldn't be surprised. Why? They're trying to have a physical effect, right? Let me go over to the piano here. I'm going to play some notes here for you. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a blessing? I was going to play that for offertory tonight if no one had offertory. No, you don't like those notes together. Why? Because they grate against each other, right? They're right next to each other. Maybe that's why siblings tend to fight because they're right next to each other. I don't know. But it's a physical reaction that you're exhibiting, okay? Imagine I had a chalkboard up here. I don't have a chalkboard up here. But imagine that I did and I were to take my nails on that chalkboard... Some of you are giving me the strangest looks. <laughs> That's just sound. Music at its base is sound. Because it's sound, it has the ability to affect us. Let's keep going. That's not all that happened. Saul was refreshed. That's physical. And then what? And was well. This has to do with emotional stability. <laughs> music has physical power, but music number two has emotional power. I want you to imagine with me, here's a, do you have any seventh grade girls in here? There's a seventh grade girl right there. I don't, I don't know if you ever do this or not, but 
Here's a seventh grader, and she comes home from school, and it was a really bad day, and everyone was against her, and, and, and the teachers don't like her, and she wasn't able to do her homework, and, all and she comes home, and it's a really bad day, and I'm just so upset, and she comes in the room, and her mom says, what's wrong? She says, nothing, and she runs to her room, and she's, she wants to find the iPod. Used to be headphones, now it's earbuds. I gave that illustration one time and um, apparently a 7th grade boy had just done that the day before. (laughs) Music speaks to us us emotionally. When we're down, when we're up, whatever it is, we we want music to identify with that. Because music speaks to us emotionally. I'm going to go illustrate over here. I want you to imagine that you're responsible to watch a little kid at the ocean. I know it's a little ways away from here, but you're responsible to watch a little kid and he's playing nicely in the in the in the ocean waves there and then all of a sudden you hear this. Get out of the water. Now why would you say that? Well, we've been conditioned in our culture. There was a movie that came out in the early 1970s by the name of Jaws. I'm not necessarily recommending the movie, but what I am saying is that the idea of this sound, which John Williams wrote, became synonymous with teeth from a very large shark. Okay, But there's a deeper reason why that works. And the re- Remember those two notes I played for you earlier? They have tension in them, don't they? All I do is rotate them. Right? Okay? And so there's innate tension in those notes. I just harnessed that. John Williams uh, did that. Well, let's say they hired me to come up with an aquatic movie that's supposed to be scary. And here you come, and you know, you're watching this show, this movie, whatever, and it's dark. And someone turns on the light, and they're all by themselves, and in the middle of this scientific room, okay, whatever that is, <clears throat> there is a fish tank. And they step closer to the fish tank. They can't see anything because it's, it's cloudy. And they reach their hand in it. And you hear this. Get your hand out of there now! It's so dangerous! It's so dangerous! <laughs> Probably pulls out a clownfish. Revenge of the goldfish. That doesn't work, does it? Well, of course not. How do you know it doesn't work? Well, Brother Ben, that's silly. The music is telling us that it's not scary. If you, uh, you know, that, that just doesn't work. How about this? What does that make you feel like? Just tell me. What's that? Magical, good. A flashback, like a memory type thing? Good. What else? Excited? What? Treasure? Happy? Mysterious or suspenders? Suspense? Good. Treasure? I like treasure too. I like that. Notice none of you said a funeral. Uh, The closest we got was maybe flashback, 
But none of you said, uh, none of you said like a scary moment, uh, right? You said generally the same type of thing. Now, you're not all exact, but you're picking up those certain things. Now, there's a reason for that. Let me explain it to you. Here's a regular scale. That bugged some of you there. <laughs> that scale has a clear beginning and an ending, doesn't it? You know when it starts and when it ends. There, it's done. This scale is called the whole tone scale, and it has no beginning or ending. Listen. I mean, there's no sense of beginning or ending. So when I mush those notes together, there's, you, you have no sense of a, a foundation or a finish. So there's a, there's a musical reason for the emotion that you feel. Some of you have the urge to start running in slow motion. Right? That's, that's, it works with that, right? You've got the pulse there. It just sounds like running. It just goes with it, right? <clears throat> I can't pay the rent. You must pay the rent. <laughs> but I can't pay the rent. I'll pay the rent. <laughs> My hero. That's how my wife and I met. She paid the rent. All due respect to Dudley Do-Right. All right. What do we got? We've got the villain music. We've got the damsel in distress. We've got the hero, right? And the music goes with it. After all, what is a television show? A television show shows us pictures and images, and, and the soundtrack to that is a set of emotional instructions. It's telling us how we're supposed to feel about what's, what we're watching, Right? Imagine I would go over here and if I changed the music and put the villain music with the damsel in distress, right? I can't pay the rent. Dun, dun, dun. You know, well, it's her fault anyway, right? <laughs> it changes the meaning of that. See, the music carries an emotional message here. That's really, really important for a lot of different reasons. Let me illustrate a little bit more. It gives you a certain sense, doesn't it? I would really like to invite you over to our trailer for supper. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> 
We're going to have you for supper. Okay? <laughs> you say, what, what, what are you trying to get across here? Okay, if music has emotional power, then it's... It behooves us to start examining the music that we're listening to to see how it's affecting us. Some people will say, well, Brother Ben, you know, I'm not a musician like you. You're doing all this music stuff. I don't know how to do any of that. So, I mean, music doesn't affect me. Okay, let me, let me, let me give you an illustration here. I am not an electrician. So, would you recommend that I stick my finger into electrical outlets? No, I don't do that anymore. I did all kinds of other things with power, but because we have small children in here, I do not want to give them any ideas, <laughs> okay? But suffice it to say, my, my parents thought I, I was not going to make it past five years old. Well, but I'm not an electrician! Okay, yeah, I don't understand how power works, right? But it still affects me. It's still, I still respect the fact that it has power. A lot of people today say, well, it doesn't affect me unless I'm a musician. Okay, the... There's only one little tiny kernel of truth in that to say that you may not understand all the depth of what's going on. That's true. But it's still going to affect you. It's still going to be a part of your life. I mean, um, if you go to a restaurant, it's been proven. Uh, if you go to a restaurant and they're playing jazz music, you will pay about 30 to 35% more for your meal. 35%? I, I'm really curious how you know that. That's cool. You just, you just know that? That's cool. Uh, I mean, it's not cool that we have to pay 35% more, but I, uh, I, am, I am guessing that perhaps when we go into restaurants, we're not really thinking about the music so much, but they are. Supermarkets will use music to move people along. Um, back in the olden days, they had, uh, when people were afraid to get on elevators, they invented what we now know as <laughs> elevator music. It was called Muzak at the time, but it was designed to give you a sense of space so that when you got into the elevator, you didn't feel claustrophobic. What's the point here? Well, I'm going heavy on the illustration here tonight because I want you to remember this truth that if music has emotional power, then maybe we should be investigating how it's affecting us. But it doesn't end there. Four statements tonight. Music has physical power. Music has emotional power. Thirdly, music has spiritual power. It says the evil spirit departed from him. For those of you who were here on Sunday morning, we talked about the fact that a spirit-filled believer is going to result in music. Now, it didn't guarantee that the music would always sound the best, you know, that you would be Pavarotti all of a sudden or something. But uh, Spurgeon put it this way, when your heart is full of Christ, you will want to sing. Let me ask you this, when Paul and Silas were heavily invested in stocks and bonds, <laughs> right, they were in prison, and this wasn't prison like we have nowadays, Right? with meals and you know, cable TV in some cases and different things like that. No, no, no. This was, this was nasty. What were they doing? They were having a little prayer meeting. What was part of that meeting? They were singing praises to God. There's something about music that can lift our hearts to the Lord. You know, music wraps itself around our hearts. It becomes a part of who we are. And represents who we are. Some people say, well, does music make the man or does the man make music? I think it's both. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle that just never ends. We gravitate towards music that 
is like us in whatever state we're in. And the question is, is that music helping us toward the Lord? The Bible contains just about 600 references to music. And uh, I think that's a very important fact. Now, some people that I've had discussions with have come back and said, yeah, but Brother Ben, most of those references are in the Old Testament. And they're just simple things like, uh, and he played the trumpet, you know, and things like that. They don't teach us anything. And so they tend to dismiss that. Well, I would say not so fast, because many of these references actually connect music with a specific emotion of man. For example, uh, the children of Israel are captured, and they're sent over, they're captured and taken to Babylon, and their captors say, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. And they respond, and they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Now, there's a lot of principles here that we can find that are actually fascinating. But one of them is cultural. Their music so reminded them of what it was like to just serve the Lord in their own land that they couldn't bring themselves to sing it for their captors. Why? Because music was emotional. Music represented something to them. There's a cultural thing going on here. Some people say, well, music, it's just cultural. Well, I don't... Yeah, music's very cultural. We'll talk about that in the fourth point here. But you see how that's an Old Testament reference, and you can skip right over that and think, oh, there's no lesson for us today. Well, wait a minute, there's, there's stuff there. Here's something that's simple. How about um, Job, in the book of Job, he says, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it exactly memorized, so I'll have to go back and check it and make sure I have that in my computer bank here. All right, but he says, my, my, my soul shall sound as pipes. He's talking about uh, when he's just sorrowful of heart, now, how many of you, I'll try to demonstrate, you know that Middle, middle Eastern reedy instrument sound, right? Okay, that's the closest I can approximate to the sound of what a pipe is. We tend to think of a pipe as like a pan flute or something like that, something really sweet. <laughs> that's not what Job is referring to. He's saying, my, I'm so sorrowful in my heart that it can only be expressed through the mournful sound of a reed instrument. Wow. The Bible connecting emotions of man. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms, says James. You see, there's even hidden musical references. Can you give you a couple of those? Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Right? And we, we're supposed to add all these things? That word there for add, epikorigao, okay? it has to do with the idea of chorusing together. Same word we get chorus from, by the way. So it's almost like a barbershop quartet. <laughs> add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, right? And maybe I should do that as a one-man quartet number or something like that. Because that's the idea. These things aren't supposed to be alone in our life. They're supposed to harmonize together. Here's another uh, example of musical reference uh, that it's easy to skip over. Um, what fellowship hath light with darkness? What communion, right? Remember that passage? What, uh, uh, what communion hath Christ with Belial? That, uh, that, that word there, what... Oh, I've got to look it up. <laughs> Tell you, I had one of these days. Where are we going? We're going to Corinthians, right? Who can find it first? Oh, I can look it up on here. Here we go. This is where technology comes in handy, doesn't it? 
If one of you find it before I do, just tell me. This is a new tablet for me. I can't find my Bible program. There it is. Bible. It says Bible right on it. Fellowship. Thank you. <laughs> I could paraphrase it for you, but I, I want you to see the real. I, I want you to see it just black and white there. What was it? Second Corinthians. There it is. Six. Fifteen. Or verse, let's start with verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We know this passage, right? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Look at this. Verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? See that word concord? It's related to the Greek word symphonesis. Does that sound like any modern-day musical term? Symphonesis. If I'm going to take my wife out on a date, and we're going to get dressed up, and we're going to go to the symphonesis. Symphony. What's the idea here? Paul is saying, what business would Christ and the devil have playing together in the same symphony? Wow, what a picture is given here. You see, there's all kinds of references like that that are, I, I call them hidden musical references. By principle, we should, should be able to smell them out anyway. But the idea here is that when we talk about music having spiritual power, we've got to see beyond just the words. That brings me to the fourth and final thought for you tonight. We're going to bring a lot of things together here. In fact, I want to If you don't remember anything else from tonight, I want you to remember this. But I have to illustrate it before I tell you. Okay? How many of you recognize this? Okay? Raise your hand if you recognize that. What's that called? What's that? It's from The Sting, yes. And it's uh, The Entertainer from The Sting, which I've never seen The Sting. But uh, uh, it's uh, a style of music called... Yes, that's right, ragtime. Ragtime is very similar to a march. But it syncopates the right hand, okay? What's syncopation? Syncopation is unexpected rhythm. So, syncopation. Okay? Some people say, well, Brother Ben, you must be against syncopation. No, I'm not against syncopation. Here's, here's an example. That you, loo, ya. That's syncopation. Syncopation is like salt. Okay? You can put it in to make the music more interesting, but, I mean, you don't want to, like, dump a ton on it. It'll spoil the food. Okay? I think it's more of a taste thing myself personally. That's my opinion. But anyway, uh, that's not the point I want you to think about. I want you to listen to it again. And I'm going to change it on you. Here we go. First way. Second way. How many of you felt the difference? Okay, I'm going to do it again. First way. Second way. If you felt the difference, raise your hand. Okay? The second way I played was a real basic form of swing. Okay? Just swings the rhythm. You say, what's the point of all this? Okay. We're getting to it. Just hang with me. 
I want you to imagine that you have a business and you have one opening for a new employee. But you have asked that the two employee or the two applicants sing their application. I don't know why, it's your business. <clears throat> anyway, the first applicant comes in and he sings his application, the first method I played for you on the piano. Okay? I'm just gonna make up silly words. <clears throat> Oh, I am very on time and punctual. You can count on me to be on time. Say, okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Wait out in the lobby. Applicant number two, you come in. Applicant number two comes in. He's going to sing his application the second way I played for you on the piano. Are you ready? Okay. <clears throat> oh, I am very on time and punctual. You can count on me to be on time. If you're concerned with punctuality, who will you hire? The first guy. But they said the same thing. But they didn't say it the same way. Music, here's the statement if you don't remember anything else. Musical style is attitude. Musical style is attitude. When someone says, Brother Ben, so how do you sum up music? How do you deal with music? That's the one sentence. Musical style equals attitude. See, when you think of things in that way, I mean, it makes sense. Body language, right? Body language makes sense, doesn't it? Someone's like this. I'm happy. Sure you are. Let me do an experiment with you. I've never done this experiment in any church before. You were the first people, okay? Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a set of instructions. All right? And I'm going to give it to you three times. One, two, three. And I want you to tell me which set of instructions, which will be identical, which one would you be more apt to obey, okay? Don't have to do it, all right? But here's the instructions, all right? What I'd like you to do is, those who are in the, in the back three rows, I'm actually going to ask you to come into the aisle, and I want you to come down here, and you're going to take up uh, the space in the front. And then everyone who's in the front, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to head down those stairs and straight out and just wait for me down there, okay? All right, there's the first way. Here's the second way. Well, this is what I'd like for everyone to do. I want the people in the back, I want the people in the back to come forward. And when you do that, then we're going to have the people that are in the front rows. I want you to go all the way back to the back and wait for me back there. Okay, here's the third way. All right, this is what I want you to do. I want all the people in the back, you're going to come forward and you're going to come. Some of you are giving me weird looks. You're going to come forward to the front. And when I say go, I want all the people in the front here. You're going to go straight to the back and wait for me there. Okay, now which one are you more apt to think, oh yeah, I'll consider that? Probably the first one. I didn't do it perfectly, but as you could tell, it was all hand position, right? When I have the open hand here, you're like, oh yeah, he's friendly, he's nice. Okay, oh, I'll do this. I don't know why we're doing this, but we're going to go ahead and do it. When I start doing things like this, it's a little more, hey, hey, why are you pushing me? (laughs) When I start doing this, oh, hey, back off, buddy. (laughs) I try not to change my voice. It's really hard not to. But you see, just simple body language changes things, doesn't it? Listen, friends, when it comes to music, it's not just about the words. 
Remember Paul, when Paul was preaching, there was this girl that started following them around. Do you remember this? You don't remember it, but you know what I'm talking about. I was there, Brother Ben. Okay, so she's following them around. And uh, after a day or two of this, Paul is grieved, the Bible says, and he turns around and he casts the demon out of her. Does anyone remember what she was saying? Yes. Perfect. That's exactly right. Let me ask you a question. Was what she was saying correct? Yes. But there was something else about the message that turned it upside down. What is sarcasm? In fact, let me, let me give you a quiz. Are you ready? This is a quiz for the men. <laughs> Ladies, please do not help them. Here we go. Does tone of voice matter? Good answer! <laughs> oh, honey, I love you. that dress looks good that was a bad pause wasn't it shouldn't be a pause there right see these are all subtleties listen friends we understand this when it comes to spoken language the problem comes when we start getting into music that we like and we don't want to admit certain things let me start illustrating here I, um, I was listening to Christian radio not too long ago. I do this occasionally just because I try to stay up to date on what's going on. And, uh, oh, even before this, though, I need to tell you this first, because I was in Kmart, and my wife was actually trying on new dresses. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny. But I heard a song come on the radio, and I started just dying laughing. And she came out and all this, and she said, what's so funny? I said, oh, here, let me sing it for you. I don't know the song really well, but it went something like this. It's supposed to be a romantic song. I love it when you whisper in my ear. Can you imagine? I'm out with my wife on a date. You take your wife out on a date. I got a song for you. Come here. Listen carefully. I love it! Bing! She's going to be like, what are you doing? Right? It was funny because (laughs) the style of delivery didn't match what the words were saying. One of my favorite YouTube clips, if you uh, go on the internet to YouTube, is YouTube the song Tenderly by the Muppets. Because the Electric Mayhem Band, the Muppets, plays the song tenderly, anything but tenderly. But back to what I was listening to on Christian radio. (laughs) Maybe it would be better to illustrate it. Let's say I came in here. Let's do it this way. Let's say I came in here and Pastor invited me to come up to speak. And uh, this, this, by the way, this will make me uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it for sake of illustration. Okay? I don't enjoy this illustration. And... I'll just leave it at that, okay? But imagine a pastor asked me to come in, and I came up to speak, and I came up like this, and I began talking like this. The Word of God is holy. God is righteous. God 
is high and lifted up. Okay, if I kept going like that, uh, not just pastor, but several more of you are going to forcibly remove me. (laughs) Is what I'm saying wrong? Is how I'm saying it wrong? It's giving you a message. Now listen, here we go. I'm going to elongate my words. God is holy. I'm going to stretch it. God is holy. I'm going to stretch it more. God is holy. See what I did? I turned it into music. It's sarcastic tone of voice. Flips the message of the words upside down. And yet Christians will swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And it's happening all around us. And you know what, friends? It, it's, it can be discouraging sometimes, but the important thing is to remember is this. Let's make sure the musical style matches the message of the music. I was listening to Christian radio recently. That's where that example comes from. I was listening to someone. God is holy. Listen, I'm going to sing a certain way to my wife in a way that you'll never hear. You, you follow what I'm saying? I'm going to sing in a romantic, even sensual way to my wife. Is it appropriate for my wife? Yes. But if I came in here and started singing that way to you, well, a lot of the husbands would come up here and be like, get him out of here. <laughs> right? Shouldn't be doing that. And rightfully so. Why? It's, it's, it has to do with attitude. Can you imagine that girl following Paul around? These are servants of the Most High God. <laughs> no wonder Paul was grieved in his spirit. Well, Brother Ben, the Bible doesn't say anything about music. Okay, all right. The Bible doesn't say anything about the internet. Is it wrong to have the internet in your home? I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but if you don't control it, it will control you. There's nothing inherently wrong about a screen. There's nothing inherently wrong about this this white uh, you know, screen here, but the content that comes across it has a moral quality to it. And this also helps, I, I really think this is the key, friends. I really, really do. And I, I hope I'm not being arrogant by thinking I've got the key here because I'm sure other people have come up with it before and I stand on the shoulders of others, including my own dad, okay? But I really think that the key for us in today's day and age, in our culture right now, the key is to compare musical style with attitude. Let me give you an illustration of this. Um, can you describe every single thing about your child's attitude to somebody else and put it in a book? Probably not. But does that mean that you can't discern when your child is having an attitude problem? Well, you can. See, what confuses people on the issue of music is that we either try to go all one way or all the other. There's a subjective part of music. We didn't all grow up the same way. Some of you are going to have memories and associations with music that I won't have because I didn't grow up that way. My dad grew up playing jazz rock in nightclubs. I didn't. There's some music that I believe in my conscience I can listen to for enjoyment that my dad would have a problem with. And he knows that. I'm not being hypocritical here. I think that's honest truth. Why? Because it's the same way in other areas of our life. What's the principle? Let's find out the principle and then apply it. What's the principle? The principle is modesty. Does everyone always define modesty exactly the same way in their application? No. But that doesn't mean the principle is not there. I believe the Bible teaches basic 
musical principles. Our music ought to glorify who God is. It ought to represent the character of God. So what does that mean? That means if you have a music problem, you have an image of God problem. I believe every problem in our life can be traced back to how we view God. And I think in our American Christianity, so many people don't know who God is for real. They, have, they think that he is their boyfriend, you know, and this type of thing. And that's the view they have of God. So the music matches it. I'll be honest with you. The first, when, I'm, when I'm talking with someone, the first issue that I go to is not music. But it's an outflow of who we are before the Lord. As we wrap up, let me go to the piano here. I'm going to give you this illustration, okay? And this is a difficult illustration for me to do, but I want to give you an example of the power that music has over us that we don't even realize. I'm going to play for you a song that I've just made up. That's very, very important. The walls are holding up the ceiling. And the chairs are red tonight. Okay, some of you still don't know if I'm being funny or not. For your information, I am. But the nature of the music made it sound like I was going to deliver an important message. Right? I filled that with the first thing that came into my head. Which is weird. Walls and ceiling and chairs, right? But the music made it sound like it was important. Do you see? When we talk about worshiping the Lord, many people substitute the power of music for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can generate a feeling just by doing that. And that's just a simple, just a chord chunk is what I call it because I'm chunking. (laughs) Excuse me. So some people say, well then, Brother Ben, is it wrong to have emotions? No, 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 friend. But as with every other part of our life, it needs to be anchored to truth. Truth has to drive us. So when I do an arrangement of a mighty fortress is our God, I want it to represent the words. I want it to be majestic. I want it to be mighty. But I don't want it to be sensual. Do you follow what I'm saying? The power of music, it's all around us. It's on the commercials that we listen to. Or watch. It's on the radio. It's in the stores. You can't get away from music. Nor would most of us really want to get away from music. I believe that we ought to match the music with the activity. And friends, tonight, I believe based on the Word of God that unfortunately today, many folks are just running wild with any kind of music that they think will generate excitement. The unfortunate thing is, what kind of feelings and emotions are we generating? I hope tonight this has been encouraging to you. And uh, I've tried to, I don't like to use the word error, but I've tried to emphasize the illustration so that gives you something, puts handles on truth. 
so that you can take these and put them in your mind and when you're talking with someone or even in your own heart and you're thinking, well, you know, is it really a big deal? Attitude is a big deal. How are we worshiping the Lord? I like every, every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and I focused on music a lot and most of you knew that was coming tonight. Maybe we have guests here that didn't know that would be the topic, but I never want to take it for granted that Every person in the sound of my voice has trusted Jesus as their Savior. Because friends, frankly, that, that issue is far more important than music. It's the most important issue in the world. In your life. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior. How do I do that, Brother Ben? Well, you realize you're a sinner. The Bible says you cannot match up to God and His holiness. But the Bible goes on to say that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. To pay the penalty for your sin, which is death. He rose again, conquered death. And if you'll trust Him tonight, you can be saved. I'm guessing most of us are Christians here tonight. The question is simply this. Are you willing to allow the Lord to take your music and show you areas that need to change? I hope you've noticed tonight, I haven't named one group. I haven't named one performer. I haven't shown you pictures of album covers or anything like that. I do that on purpose. Could I? I think I could. But the point is, I want you to see the principles here. And let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart through His Word. If you're here tonight, say, you know, Brother Ben, that's me. I'm willing to allow the Lord to take a good look inside and show me. If there's changes that I need to make in my musical diet. Would you pray for me?